Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one illuminating page of Talmud a day. And today, even though the tractate is called Shabbat, we are seeing a discussion about Hanukkah. Here goes. The sages taught in a baraita. The basic mitzvah of Hanukkah is each day to have a light kindled by a person, the head of the household, for himself and his household. And the mehadrin, those who are meticulous in the performance of mitzvot, kindle a light for each and every one in the household. And the mehadrin min hamehadrin, those who are even more meticulous, adjust the number of lights daily. And so, as we have menorahs on the brain, I figured it was just perfect to call the person who is associated in the American imagination more than anyone with a very famous Supreme Court case from 1989. It is my honor to welcome to the show today the legendary Nathan Lewin. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with the case uh, in 1989 in Allegheny County, but if you could be so kind, because this uh, is really, I think, one of the most complicated Supreme Court decisions out there in existence, if you could kind of set the scene of what the case was and how you got involved with it. Well, the case concerned the Chabad Menorah in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In Pittsburgh, the Chabad, local Chabad, had offered its menorah to the city of Pittsburgh for the city display that was in front of town hall at Hanukkah time each year. So there was a 45-foot-high Christmas tree and an 18-foot-high menorah next to it. The ACLU, uh, and joined also by some of the more secular Jewish groups, sued to prevent the city of Pittsburgh from having that display, which they said was a religious display because it was a menorah on public property. At the same time, the county of Allegheny, which is the county in which Pittsburgh is, had also uh, authorized the placement of a creche in a uh, courthouse down the street. That suit by the American Civil Liberties Union was brought against both the menorah and the nativity scene, or the creche. I became involved after the case had been in the district court before a district judge called Baron McCune, who had held that it was constitutional to allow a religious display, even if presented by the government, on public property. That was a big controversy at the time. Can you have religious displays on public property? The ACLU, the American Jewish Congress, a lot of organizations that are, quote, liberal, were opposing that. Chabad, on the other hand, and I personally, felt that you could not discriminate against religious displays on public property. You could put on secular displays. You can certainly put on religious displays as well. So after the case was decided in favor of the menorah and the creche by the district court, the ACLU appealed it to the Court of Appeals. At that point, the lawyer for local Chabad 
contacted me and asked me whether I would represent Chabad in the Court of Appeals, and I agreed to do so pro bono. When you get a call like that, do you feel compelled because, as an observant Jew, you you have you know, strong feelings, or because as a lawyer you have strong feelings, did one take precedence over the other? Well, because I do have strong feelings about the issue, and if I can help, it's been all my desire during my entire professional career to help religion and religious liberty in litigation. So for that reason, I represented a man who wanted to wear a yarmulke in the U.S. military, contrary to U.S. military regulations. And I've done various other cases for kosher food, for Sabbath observance uh, during my entire career. And this was consistent with that. When I was asked, I didn't really hesitate. Now, the Court of Appeals decided two to one against us. And the opinion was written, of course, by the one Jewish member of the panel, Judge Greenberg, <laughs> he said it was unconstitutional to have religious displays on public property and held both the menorah and the creche unconstitutional. The result was Allegheny County and Chabad tried to bring the case up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court agreed to hear that case. And the decision is immensely complex. I, I, I tried to read it, and having no legal education, found it more difficult than the Talmud. What did the Supreme Court find? The Supreme Court found, after we argued it, six to three in favor of the menorah, and five to four against the nativity scene. What did they say was the difference? You had to follow a scorecard. I mean, the fact is, Right now, the Supreme Court has just put off arguments that were due to begin uh, this next week because of the coronavirus problem. Ordinarily, the Supreme Court finishes its business by the end of June. It will not do so this year. That year also, it didn't finish its business by the end of June because it took until July 3rd to decide this case and an abortion case which were the two last decisions of the term. So I happened, I went to court on July 3, one of the rare times that I heard the Supreme Court issue a decision in a case that I had argued, because the court gives you no advance notice, so you never know when the court is going to decide your case. But I knew that that day, on July 3, they were going to decide the menorah and crash case. So I went to court. And I sat in the lawyer section, and in the row in front of me was the head of the Washington chapter of the ACLU, a very nice fellow by the name of Arthur Spitzer. And we've been friends for years. He sat in front of me. We heard the decision. The decision was six to three in favor of the menorah, five to four against the crash, saying that that was unconstitutional because it gave, at that point, only a religious message by the government. I argued that the combination of the menorah and the Christmas tree just indicated that the United States was supporting religious liberty generally, 45-foot-high Christmas tree, 18-foot-high menorah. The Supreme Court agreed with that. And Spitzer, as we walked out of the court, said to me, words that I can never forget, congratulations, Nat, You've now turned this into a Jewish nation. <laughs> now, the mayor of Pittsburgh, a man by the name of Richard Caligari, who was a Catholic, 
had died during the litigation, and he was replaced by the head of the Pittsburgh City Council, a woman by the name of Sophie Maslow, who was a very fine lady, but an ardent civil libertarian who was opposed to religious displays on public property. And she immediately announced there was going to be no religious display when she was mayor in front of Pittsburgh City Hall. She had to relent on the Christmas tree, but she kept opposing menorah. So the year after we won the case in the Supreme Court, I was back in court against Mayor Sophie Masloff to argue that we were entitled to have a menorah in front of Pittsburgh City Hall, like we had the previous year and that the Supreme Court had approved. Mayor Masloff fought me tooth and nail. We litigated that before the same district judge, and we won before him. He said, after we thought about it overnight, that we had a right, a right, Chabad had a right to put a menorah up and give it to Pittsburgh in front of the city hall. Mayor Masloff was unhappy with that decision, and she got a judge to stay it the year after we had won it in the Supreme Court. I had to go and apply at the last minute. Hanukkah began Friday night that year. And on Friday morning, I applied Justice Brennan of the Supreme Court. Brennan was a great civil libertarian. He was a fine man, but he was also a great protector of free speech. And I said, look, this is a free speech issue. Now, that it doesn't violate the Constitution to put up a menorah, we have an absolute right to put up a menorah in a public place. And at the last minute on Friday afternoon, it took an order from Justice Brennan to allow us to have a menorah in Pittsburgh. Mayor Masloff tried to get the full Supreme Court to overrule Justice Brennan, but she was unsuccessful. I litigated that again in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where there was only a menorah by itself, and we won that case. And then I litigated it in Atlanta, Georgia, where the authorities did not want to let Chabad put up a menorah in the state capitol building. I won that case in the Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit by 11 to nothing, and is that in that opinion, the chief judge wrote the opinion saying we had a constitutional right having the menorah in Atlanta. He quoted a limerick that I had written and that I recited to (laughs) the judges. And in the limerick, I tried to summarize what my opponents were arguing and how ridiculous it was. Read it to you. I have it in front of me right now. It seems to a young rabbi of Chabad that the Constitution is exceedingly odd to protect all speech in a public place on age, abortion, or race, but to prohibit any person's mention of God. (laughs) But the unfortunate thing is, although we established that, and the Supreme Court confirmed years later that there was a constitutional right to put up a religious display in a public place. Every year, I get requests from Chabad all over the United States about some local authority that gives them problems. continues to happen to this very day. I'm honored to be able to do these cases.
Mr. Lewin, our Jewish nation thanks you for everything. Thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Daf Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.